Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, we focus on the Alamo as managing editor Ed Arnold welcomes executive director Kate Rogers. She's leading the multi-million dollar redevelopment while navigating the historical, political, and emotional influences of our Texas landmark. We are here with Kate Rogers. Kate Rogers is the chair of the Alamo Trust Incorporated, the organization that is overseeing the $300 million Alamo Master Plan. Uh, she spent 20 years with uh, Texas's largest grocer and employer, HEB, before that. And recently, we were really proud to name uh, Kate the Woman of the Year from our Women's Leadership Awards. Kate, it is really great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ed. And thank you to the San Antonio Business Journal for that tremendous honor. Oh, it couldn't be more warranted. Thank you again for participating with us. So let's just introduce you a little bit. So you were with HEB for 20 years, I think. I was, yes. I realized I kind of grew up at HEB. So I'm from Corpus originally. And so my Mm -hmm. first job sort of out of college was at the Texas State Aquarium, which was a lot of fun. And then I actually got involved with HEB. I was hosting and producing a live television show that we broadcast from the aquarium that was sponsored by HEB. So I met the people there. I moved to San Antonio, spent about seven years in Austin with the company, moved back to San Antonio to lead the 100th anniversary. And then my last sort of role at HEB officially was as the vice president of communications and culture. And then I went to go work for Charles Butt personally for a few years, helping to launch the Holdsworth Center up in Austin. Oh, yeah. I do want to ask you about the Holdsworth Center. So tell us a little bit about that for those that don't know about the work that the Holdsworth Center does. Well, you know, it's amazing. So I think a lot of people know that Mr. Budd has a tremendous commitment to public education and that's a lot of what he does philanthropically for Texas Mm -hmm. to support the more than 5 million children we have in our public schools. And he wanted to do something, sort of a legacy gift for the people who work in the schools for the state. So Mm -hmm. the teachers, the principals, the administrators who make the system go every single day. And of course, over the past few years, it's been a real struggle for people in the classroom. So the Holsworth Center is a leadership institute for public school administrators. So it's principals and their teams and and superintendents and their teams. And they work with districts over a sustained period of time to really look at, analyze and improve their whole approach to talent management. So how do you make sure that you're creating a pipeline, not dissimilar to the way the HEB thinks about it, of how do you make sure that you have a pipeline and a bench of highly qualified people who are gonna step into those leadership roles in the future. And that's really what it's about. He also built a beautiful campus on the shores of Lake Austin. It's stunning. So it's an executive campus with 180 sleeping rooms and administrative space. So it's kind of a retreat for people, if you will. My older sister, ironically, has been a participant. She's a principal in Arlington ISD, and she's been a participant. And every time she goes, she sends me texts and says, you know, I think I should just move here. I should live here. (laughs) It's a a good thing to have right now to rejuvenate and replenish the people on the front lines in the classroom. Yeah, no question. As the husband of a public school teacher, a first grade public school teacher for 15 years, I very much appreciate any sort of assistance and and help that they are going through. It's been quite a few years for public school teachers. Indeed. 
So uh, tell me about, you know, it was, uh, I guess, almost a year and a half ago that you were brought on to be the executive director at the Almond Trust. I think that's right. The early 2021. That's right. It was uh, March of 2021. You know, I got a call from a recruiter about the Alamo Trust. And at that time, didn't even know what that was. I thought it might be a <laughs> bank or a financial institution. Um, so obviously, we've come a long way since then. Yeah, no question. No question. So what did you find? Well, you know, as, as someone who was coming in, certainly, you know, the Alamo, you're a native Texan, you know, it well, you know, the area around it as a San Antonio and a corporate citizen, you, you know it. What was the first thing that you saw and was interesting or surprising when you got in the door there? I think two things, right, that were very enticing. First is the board. So mm-hmm. the board at the Alamo Trust is amazing. You know, you got people like former Secretary of State, uh, Hope Andrade, you've got former Congressman Will Hurd, Francisco Cigaroa. And so it's just this amazing group of people who are committed to this project. Welcome Wilson from over in Houston. So that was the first thing. I was like, well, this would be a fun group of people to get to work with. Right. The second thing was I said, you know, gosh, I haven't been to the Alamo like many San Antonio residents. I hadn't been to the Alamo in years. And so I said, if I'm going to you know, think about this, I probably ought to go down there. Well, when you go down and you walk around the grounds, what I see is such possibility for what it could be in the future. You know, it's beautiful in many ways, just the way it is right now, you know, with the shrine and the long barrack and the gardens and so forth. But there's a lot of opportunity to create better visitor experience, more educational opportunities for the people who come to the Alamo each year. Right. And that's a big part of this project, this $300 million project, is to create some of those educational spaces. So there's the Museum and Visitor Center that includes some fundraising for currently, and then the construction of the exhibition hall and the collections building. So can you talk about where those two projects are and what they look like now? Yeah, so it's a $300 million development effort, if you will. And it really includes the entire Alamo district. So that's the space that kind of starts down south at Commerce Street and leads up Alamo Street all the way to Houston Street. And so you're looking at improvements uh, there, really making the whole site more pedestrian friendly. You know, right now it's really designed to support vehicular traffic. Mm -hmm. And we want to bring back a sense of reverence to the site. When you come to the Alamo, you should know that you're arriving at a place of historic significance. So it really, it includes renovations in the gardens. It includes the next exhibition hall and collections building, which you mentioned, which opens later this year. It includes a new education center, which I'm very excited about so that we can do more and better programming for school children, but also for teachers from across the state. It also includes the crowning jewel will be the visitor center museum. So it's about 100,000 square feet of exhibit space with eight different galleries that are chronological in nature and lead you through the whole 300 year history of the Alamo. You know, a lot of people who come to the site, first of all, they think that the church is the Alamo, not realizing that the Alamo itself was a mission before it became a fort. It was a much larger footprint where people lived and worked. And so we want to educate them about that. It was occupied by indigenous people, like most places in the United States before the Spanish first arrived. So really embrace that full history and bring it to life for people. Absolutely. And as you said, adding more historical context, talking about more of the history around the Alamo itself, as opposed to just the battle of the Alamo, which is a lot of, obviously it takes an important element of it, but is not the full story of that piece of land in that area around it. So I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, the Phil Collins collection is coming in. What's been the status of that? And how has that process been? 
Yeah, so I think a lot of people are intrigued by the fact that this British rock star started collecting artifacts from the Alamo. And really, you know, if if you talk to him or read an interview with him, he got interested in it as a kid. Like many people who saw the Fess Parker show or saw the John Wayne movie, that's how a lot of us came to know the story of the Alamo. Same with him. So he'd been fascinated his whole life. And when he had the means as an adult, you know, like most collectors, he started with one artifact and then started accumulating more and more and has amassed this amazing collection of over 400 items which he very generously donated to the state of Texas. He could have done a lot of things with the collection, but he chose to donate it. And so the exhibition hall that opens later this year, many of those items will be put on display for the very first time for people to see. And so we're just beyond thrilled to be able to do that. We've also just purchased a Spanish colonial collection from a local collector in San Antonio named Donald Yena. And a lot of his items will also go on display in the new exhibition hall. That's really interesting. So you're still sort of gathering items to some degree. You're still bringing in, you're still open to that. Is that a continuing process? Yes, yes, it is. And um, you'd be surprised. Like just recently, I had a a fascinating conversation with a movie producer from Hollywood who also has a very significant Alamo collection. So, you know, you just never know where you're going to find a person out and about in the world who has a heart for the Alamo. Well, you know, I moved here from Memphis about five years ago, and Davy Crockett was the representative from Tennessee's 9th District, which is indeed the Memphis District these days. Yes. So there, my former congressman, Steve Cohen, actually has a pretty impressive uh, collection of Davy Crockett memorabilia and some that relate to, to his trip to the Alamo, too. So you're, not, you're always surprised where those, those little pinpoints come from, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in the new building, one of the things that we're working on is a really exciting project because most people of the 189 men who were at the Alamo, no one has ever tried to figure out what they looked like. You know, we only have portraits of a handful of them, the big three, right? Bowie, Crockett, and Travis. Um, But there were many who were too poor to have portraits made of themselves. And so we want to bring them to life to help people identify with these people and what brought them here, tell a little bit more. So we're working with a forensic artist out of Houston and with a descendant association. So the Sons of the Republic and the Daughters of the Republic and others so that we can piece together through family photos what we think they might have looked like and one by one bring them to life on a wall inside the new exhibition hall. So we think that'll be a real treat for people. And it's right next to the Phil Collins diorama, which comes along with the sound and light show narrated by him. So sort of blow by blow, the 13 days of the siege in his British accent, which is very fun. Very What's not to love about that? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I'm sorry if I I don't want to get them mixed up. So what is set to to open by the end of the year? Which portion of the... Yes. So the Exhibition Hall and Collections Building is the next big project. And so that opens, it'll be right around the first of the year that it opens to the public. It's 24,000 square feet. It's the first time we've ever had museum grade storage space for the collection on the grounds of the Alamo. And then it has about 10,000 square feet of uh, exhibit space. So visitors will get to see a lot of the weaponry from the collection, beautiful pistols and muskets, knives and swords. We have two of Santa Ana's swords now in the collection. The Alamo had one and Phil Collins also had one. And so now we'll have two for people to enjoy. There'll also be a room with a lot of the paper that we've never been able to put on display because it's too fragile. So we'll have a proper room with humidity and temperature control so we can put the paper on display for people to enjoy it. 
Pete Rogers joining us. In our next segment, she addresses our passion for the Alamo. When Texas Business Minds continues. How did Texas Mutual Insurance Company make over 67,000 business owners smile? By sending $330 million in dividends to our workers' comp policyholders. See how we can make your business safer, stronger, and better at texasmutual.com better. As I said before, this is the project that I think is close to the hearts of, for a variety of reasons of most Texans, especially those that have been lifelong Texans and native Texans. You know, those of us in San Antonio, I think, have become really comfortable with the kind of work that's happened that the Alamo really like what we're seeing as locals and the expression, as we talked about, as it more than just the battle, more than it's sort of the heart of our of our city in many ways. But for people statewide, it's caused it, you know, it stirs up passions for sure. And anytime any changes have happened to the Alamo, it's been an enormous, you know, outpouring of feeling, emotion in a variety of different ways. What's been your experience so far in a year and a half into your position as, as sort of managing those expectations? Yeah, it's interesting. I think one of our former mayors here in San Antonio, Phil Hardberger, said it best when we went before city council to close the street in front of the Alamo, which made a big difference to how the site feels when you're at the Alamo. But he said, it's not that we don't love the Alamo, it's that we love the Alamo too much. And I think that's, you know, that's the way I would describe it. Is it like you said, people are very passionate about it because Texas is, we're, you know, like we like to say, it's a whole other country. Texans are unique. We have a very strong sense of self. We like to think that the Alamo is kind of the cultural hearth of our state. It is the place from which that Texas identity emerges. And we all have strong ties to it and strong beliefs about the way that it should be protected and preserved for future generations to enjoy. And so I think what we've tried to do is to listen when people have something they want to share. We may not always agree, but we will always be there to listen to different points of view, to rely on what we know to be historically true and accurate at this point in time. You know, I think Winston Churchill said it best when he said history is messy and mysterious. And new facts come to light, new evidence comes to light, and that history is by its very nature interpretive. And so it's okay for people to bring their own points of view to the Alamo story. Our goal is that when people come 10 years from now, that they will be able to find themselves, see themselves, and identify with the story, which we like to say is bigger than Texas itself. And the Alamo is, you're right, it's best known for the 13 days of the siege this battle, which was so dramatic, happened in the early morning hours and 90 minutes, all of the men who were there had perished. You know, it's one of these legendary tales from throughout history. And people love stories like that of people who will stand up against insurmountable odds for what they believe in. And I think that's why it's captured the imagination of Hollywood for so many years. But it also, in many ways, is there's more to the story than that. The Alamo, what happened after the battle? What happened when it became a core site for westward expansion in the United States? What would have happened if the Texans hadn't ultimately been successful at San Jacinto? How would that have changed the way the entire country might have looked? And so it's an incredibly significant site. I like to say in these little five acres, a lot of all of American history is encapsulated right there and the struggles that we have dealt with as a people and as a nation since the very beginning. 
Absolutely. It's interesting that you talk about it in that way because it is so monumentally important to American history. It also has a very intimate connection with the people of San Antonio. Yes. You know, family photos taken at the Alamo, the, the fiesta parades ending at the Alamo, the Battle of Flowers Parade ending at the Alamo. It is also, as I said, you know, leading you into this, very much about the heart of San Antonio and about the heart of an actual city and a downtown and the way the city sees itself. So balancing those two things, those two feelings, and more than those two, but balancing those two feelings of, you know, there's, there's as I said, there's a wide and, variety of interesting And there are, there are many feelings, many, many yes, feelings. Yeah, there's no, there's, it's yeah, completely unlimited, <laughs> infinite feelings. But balancing those two viewpoints and the needs of the city itself and the desires of the locals to continue to keep the Alamo as part of, you know, annual celebrations and, and keep parts of it as walkable, taking, you know, uh, wedding photos in front of it. You see it almost every time you go down there. That has been something that I know that the Alamo Trust has taken to heart, but how has that been to balance between the desire to make this a world-class historical site and leave it accessible to the, the local communities that have so, you know, attached so much to their heart and the way the community runs? You know, I think the plan that we have now in place, and as you know, there's been multiple iterations of the plan over the years. There's always been a desire by the community to do more. As a San Antonio resident, you don't want people to come to the Alamo and leave and say, is that it? Or I thought it would be much bigger. Um, yes. You want them to understand why it's so important to our community and to our state, right? Things like trying to maintain the traditions of the parades, making sure that local residents can be part of the museum planning process and can have their voices heard as we are envisioning the narrative itself, plus the actual things that will go on display in the galleries. And so I think that's what we've tried to do is to make sure that we're, again, that we're listening to everyone who has something that they want to share and trying to keep the tent as broad as possible. Absolutely. With all those voices, you're going to need very, very big ears, Kate. I appreciate all of the work that y'all are doing down there. And I can't wait to see the new museums and other features at the end of the year. I'm really excited about taking everyone down there. I can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, not to be, you know, it's about so much more than just the economic return. But it is, you know, you're talking about the transformation of a part of downtown that is in need of it. There hasn't been major improvements on the grounds of the Alamo since the 1950s. This building that opens this year is the first new construction in 70 years. And so it's time, you know, it's time. And if you think across the country, so we have a wonderful program manager, Gallagher and Associates. They've done other sites like ours throughout the country and the world, including Gettysburg and Normandy. And I think the Alamo is one of the last. It's one of the last when you look at the National Park Service that doesn't have a visitor center and museum that helps to explain the story and interpret the story for, for visitors. So I think, again, it's time for this to happen. And the benefit to future generations of San Antonians and Texans is dramatic. You know, you're talking about $12 billion is the estimated return over 10 years, which includes the five years of construction plus the first five years of operation. We get about 1.6 million people a year now. When all is said and done, we could be seeing as many as a million more people a year. That's good for San Antonio, you know, Absolutely. and for our Absolutely. state. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, Kate, thank you again so much for taking the time to chat with us. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. 
Likewise. And again, just a huge thank you to the Business Journal for everything that you all do in our community and the fact that you all take the time each year to honor women. You know, I think that's huge. I love that event. It's such a wonderful event. We had such a good time with it this year. I was, I'm all, we're always proud to be a part of it. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you. Alamo Executive Director Kate Rogers joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. We'll be right back.